This episode is made possible by PwC. The future calls for digital transformation you can trust. That's why the new equation is business-led and cloud-forward, using secure technologies to drive tax-efficient solutions for today and tomorrow. It's how people and technology work together to transform transformation. See how the new equation is building trust and security with the latest tech at thenewequation.com. This is a podcast from Minute Media. What's going on, everyone? It's the commissioner here. Wanted to let you know that we have another great and exciting episode. So nice. We had to break it down twice. That's right. We have a two-parter coming at you with this being part one of our episode. We have Jackson Gatlin from the Locked On Rockets podcast meeting us at the summit as well as Don Knock on the 11th hour. Don Knock from the Apollo Launchpad podcast. He joins us on the second segment. It was an absolute blast just getting the both of them on for this part one we get Jackson's story on how he became a Rockets fan and how he ended up getting into the business of podcasting he kind of gives us his story and then we we end up learning later with Don not coming in and we invited him impromptu into the episode and then we continue to talk about Rockets and we talk about all-star weekend like I said this is going to be part one of two part one coming at you right now that's enough of me talking let's get it going right here with myself the GM, Jackson Gatlin, and Don Knock live at Urban South Brewery right here at the Summit State of Mind. Liftoff will start in T minus 10 seconds. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6. Hey, everybody. This is Craig Ackerman, TV play-by-play announcer for the Houston Rockets. This is Chris Chavez. This is your boy, Easy, a.k.a. Raheel Ramzanali. It's Sean from Shots and Thoughts. This is Timoteo Keister. What up, what up? It's Roosh Williams, the Mastodon himself. This is Devin White, a.k.a. The Gentleman. It's your boy, Von Wafer, former Houston Rocket, retired professional NBA basketball player. Five, four, three, two, one. We have ignition. And you are listening to the Summit State of Mind podcast. What is going on, everyone? You are listening to The Summit, State of Mind, the podcast of Dream Shakes and Stepbacks, and everything Houston Rockets, presented by the Minute Media Podcast Network and the official podcast to fan site. It's Houston Rockets' website, spacecityscoop.com. I am your host, your commissioner, Kenny, and of course, with me as always is my brother, my tag team partner, the man in the Houston Rockets hat, the GM, Justin. GM, man, first of all, can you tell the people where we are? Where we are on location right now. We are on location at Urban South Brewery. Thank you again to our good friends over here at Urban South. Um, We're very happy to be here. We're here in the private back room enjoying some uh, quality time with each other. You know what I mean? And a shout out to our sponsors, Rush Bowls Houston. Had a nice little bowl this morning, you know, and they fed me pretty well. And if any of you guys want to go through there, make sure to go say hello. All right. To Rush Bowls? Yes, Rush Bowls, Houston. The only acai bowl spot? The only acai bowl spot. The greatest one known to man, (laughs) obviously. They fed the wrong teams, though. Just kidding. 
They oh, fed- don't start that. Don't start that. <laughs> no, don't no, no. Don't call out Boston they, they, and those other teams. <laughs> yeah, they fed the Boston Red Sox and the Atlanta Braves. Oh. So you know what? Houston Astros, we need you to hop on that. <laughs> but anyways, yes, we're here. And, um, you know, we have a guest here. And I'll leave oh, that up to yes, Kenny. Oh, yes, that's right. The episode just gets bigger because for the first time, we have a brand new guest entering the summit. I'm known, once again, for intros. Let's hope I do this man justice. He's uh, quietly laughing as we speak. Let's hope I get it right. He is the host to the Locked On Rockets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. He's also the Monday host for Locked On NBA. He is, in his own words, the third nicest guy on Rockets Twitter. But most importantly, he is a diehard Rockets fan and a good friend of the Summit. Introducing for the first time on our show... Jackson, the Jean Jacket Gatlin. Oh, at the summit. Oh. What are you doing, bro? I am so excited to be here at the summit with you guys. Also, I love that you incorporated last minute ad libbed the Jean Jacket riff into the opening segment. That was A1 riffing. I love that, man. And then not only that, is there a receipt of me somewhere saying that I'm the third nicest guy on Rockets Twitter? We talked about, we talked it. So on Thursday night, which by the way, you had, you had an amazing live show, which we enjoyed. We were there live. Thank and you, then I, you. I think we were we were just t- we were just chatting it up after it, and then I was like, "This is the nicest guy." I put my arm around you, nicest guy in Rockets Twitter. And then you were like, "No, no, no, you and your brothers are the ni- you and your brother are the nicest guy." <laughs> there we I'll go. be th- I'll be the third nicest guy. There we go. You know what? I do I do remember this now. I will say, I w- there were there were a lot of drinks flowing Thursday night. It was a great experience. It was very fun. The the Rockets loss against the Clippers was not as fun. But the experience was really cool. It was great to interact with so many different Rockets fans, Astros fans, Houston sports fans in one location. I'm glad we were able to put that event on. And now I'm excited to just be here with you guys at the summit to be able to talk everything, anything and everything Rockets hoops. Absolutely, man. We're just excited to have you on. You know, we've been in talks for a while now you came to our watch party which we appreciated and then that's how we you know first got to talking obviously and then you know we were able to join you thursday so we're just excited to have you at the summit finally here live oh in yeah. person where the vibes are immaculate the drinks are flowing <laughs> and uh we're here to just have fun talk Absolutely. about the rockets except you know on saturday it wasn't exactly a great night to be a houston fan which we will get to at some point <laughs> but yes. it, but it was a great night to be a houston fan on friday night so it's okay a, it's a go. little good with the bad right there you Absolutely. Just like it, that's been the Rockets this season mostly, mm-hmm. right? You know, you take the good with the bad where it comes in. So, Jackson, let's move forward now. I want to, for our first segment, I just wanted to ask you, um, you know, I want to know your story. You know, this is what we do. Any first time any first time guest at the Summit, I will have to ask, you know, what your story is. Uh, what, would your, what did your fandom with the Rockets start? And ultimately, what led you to being the host on Lockdown? Oh, wow. Okay. That's, a, that's a lot to unpack there. All right. Let's go. Just say, all right, I'm just going to wash my hands clean. Jackson's going to carry this first segment, talk about himself way too much. No. All right. So I, I've been a, a basketball fan, you know, pretty much my entire life. It was the, I, I unfortunately can't say it was the first sport that I, that I played or that I really loved because I actually played soccer when I was a kid. Um, but I never really got into, you know, was never super into baseball, was never super into football growing up. And then it was probably when I was about five, six years old. I really started to get into basketball and started to really enjoy that experience that I had, you know, a basketball hoop in the cul-de-sac that I, that I had growing up, all of that. And then I started to get into like watching professional basketball and started to fall in love with those early 2000s Houston Rockets. So my first mm. like favorite player, right, was Stevie Franchise. Like that, like the Stevie Franchise Rockets, Catino Mobley, that backcourt, and then Yao Ming gets brought into the fold. That's where I really started my Rockets fandom, and I had no idea what was going on, right? I was just like, yeah, this is basketball, and it's so cool, like, just cheering and, like, not really, like, understanding the game, but just being excited to be a part of it and, like, be a fan of the team and all of that. 
Um, and I kind of navigated that, and it was a few years later during the Team Akiao era when I really started to get into it. That's when I made a Clutch Fans account and started just kind of, you know, lurking there and interacting with other Rocket, or I can't say interacting because, again, I spent the majority of my time lurking. I'm just, a lurker, you know, too. I got to admit. I, 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 was, I was 11, 12 years old, right? Like, I was just like, I'm just going to see what other people have to say about the team. So, browse there, you know, started to gain a, a better understanding of the team, the on and off the court stuff, how to build a roster, all that, and that's where I really got interested interested in like you know the trade machine and, and how the you know how the salary cap kind of worked and all those if you've ever been on clutch fans right every season there's the random rocket trade threads ideas and so I, w- I would <laughs> yep. I would just sift through those all season long looking for the most exciting possible trades so that was just kind of the beginnings of the fandom and then I did kind of you know navigate away a little bit you know towards the you know middle part of like my high school career wasn't as focused on the Rockets as much just dealing with school life all of that but as James Harden became a Houston Rocket when that trade happened when he became a part of this Rockets organization and obviously became the second greatest player ever in franchise history agreed that's where you know I really started to refocus and be like okay no I I need to get back to my roots like I, I love basketball I miss being a part of it I miss you know being around the team seeing what they're doing all of that those middling years between Yao and T-Mac and then the Harden era were fun I didn't like completely mentally check out but it was different right not having like a true face of the team to really cheer for root for Still some fun years, some competitive, scrappy squads. But then I was kind of, you know, my passion for the team was reignited during the James Harden era, as it was for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. He put he put the city of Houston back on the map, right? For, for a city that really wasn't doing a whole lot of anything no, across the three true, major true. teams. So then from there, you know, I go to college. I did, you know, knocked out my basics and everything with HCC get to University of Houston and I was actually an economics major for half a semester and I was like this is terrible I can't do this <laughs> it was talking about hypothetical donuts to hypothetical country x trading it for hypothetical coffee and I was like I I can't do this dude I don't I don't blame you because I remember taking eco 10 eco 1 and 2 when I was yeah. trying to do what is it um gosh I forgot what what a major I was doing but those two classes you're talking pre- micro and macro. Yeah, micro Dude, and macro they, economics. They Ooh, practically God. convinced me to not do what I was going to do. I was like, never mind. I'm good. I, I'm Yeah, I took them both in the same semester, that first semester doing econ, and it was weird going from like, okay, you're going to focus on the micro view, and now you're going to do the macro. It was just, it was a nightmare. So after that semester, I really did, or you know, towards the end of that semester, I did some soul searching, and I was like, okay, what the hell am I doing with my life? As, as most people in their early 20s are trying to figure out, it's what the hell is going on with my life? Where, What direction do I want this to go? And ultimately, I settled on, all right, what do I care about? What am I passionate about? And I was like, I, I'm passionate about and I care about basketball. I love basketball. I love experiencing it. I love talking about it. I love writing about it. How do I turn that into a career? Case in point, look at broadcast journalism. So I flipped my major. I, I became a broadcast journalism major and I hit the ground running so hard. That very first semester, I, I completely flipped. I took four journalism courses. I asked my for one of my first professors that semester, hey, what should I do if I really want to take this seriously? She was like, go write for the school newspaper, like tomorrow. Like go in and, and apply and write. Did that, became the beat writer for the UH men's basketball team when they made it to the Sweet 16 the first time around under yes. Kelvin Sampson, which was a really exciting opportunity. I didn't get to go to the tournament, unfortunately, but I was at the uh, AAC tournament in uh, in Memphis that year, which was really fun. They came up a little bit short to Cincinnati that season, mm-hmm. but it was still a really, really fun experience overall. And that was really just kind of the beginnings of my journey. And that semester, I had a professor who instructed the class, hey, whatever direction you want to go in, 
I want you to reach out to two industry professionals that are in the industry that you want to work in. And so I actually reached out to two individuals. I reached out to Matt Thomas of Sports Talk 790 and formerly the, or formerly I should say, the PA announcer for the Houston Rockets. Now he does the full-time radio play-by-play broadcast. Reached out to Matt Thomas and I also reached out to Ben DuBose, the former host of Locked on Rockets, a.k.a. the podfather himself, Ben DuBose, now the Rockets Wire editor uh, for USA Today Rockets Wire Media Group. Um, And... Both of those gentlemen were so welcoming, so they provided so much great advice. Matt Thomas brought me into the studio at 790, where I later became a producer, and which was really cool because I, I, I got that experience with him, and I think it was like October 2018, and then like six months later, I was working there, which was crazy. Wow. So, you know, got that experience with him, saw him do his show live, got to see the production side. He gave me a tour of the studio, all of that. And gave me tons of advice. He was like, you know, whenever you start a podcast, do a podcast, whatever. He told me, first thing off, he was like, when you start a podcast, you're going to suck. You're going to be awful when you first start. But you have got to get your reps in. And so he was like, as soon as you do the podcast, start one, make one, do a few episodes, I'll come on as your big guest. And I was like, that's so incredible. That's really cool. Unfortunately, it never got to that point because of this next part of the story where I got to meet Ben DuBose. We sat down. I asked him about his career, kind of where he, you know, what he had done to get to you know, that point covering the team, all of that, how he got started with Locked On, what he thought about officiating. It was actually very funny. We did talk about officiating with Ben DuBose for my little interview with him. It was very, it was very, very fun. Anybody who follows Ben on Twitter knows that he is a huge fan of officiating across all major sports. He just loves the officiating, right? That's Absolutely. our guy. Absolutely. Not a, no, no bigger fan of uh, referees than, and officials across all major leagues than Ben DuBose. But no, Ben was incredibly insightful and, you know, to, to take the time to do that. And so we kind of, that was the beginning of our relationship. And, you know, I would, you know, kind of hit him up for advice, you know, intermittently kind of interact, obviously on Rockets Twitter, all that. And so summer 2019 rolls around and it was just after the trade had been consummated for Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook. And I reached out to Ben and I said, hey. I don't know if this would be something that Locked On would be interested in, but I noticed there's no Locked On University of Houston Cougars podcast. Would you be able to maybe pitch that to David Locke and see if I could be the one that could host that show? Because I was already covering UH. I thought, you know what? What better person to do this than me? I, 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 I've been covering the basketball team. I understand where they're at with baseball, football. Like, let's do this. Ben came back to me with a slightly bigger offer and said, how would you feel about potentially being on the short list of candidates to taking or to take over locked on rockets and my jaw hit the floor because <laughs> one I was going to be so disappointed to see Ben Dubose leave the show because he is he made it what it is today absolutely yep. and it would not be the show that it is without the the hard work and the 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 three and a half four years that he poured into it before I took it over so not only that but then I was also just just completely beside myself thinking okay how have I done enough to this point because I felt like I had done nothing to that point to be even in the running in consideration for maybe taking over Locked on Rockets and so at the time I was producing for Sports Stock 790 which is the official flagship of the Astros and Rockets here Mm -hmm. in Houston and it just made a lot of sense and so there was a very short list of candidates Ben and I talked extensively about what it would look like about the transition about him maintaining kind of a role with the show not necessarily like on a formal like week by week basis but just still being connected to the show because he still you know harbored a lot of love for Rockets fans and for that audience that he had grown 
Mm-hmm. And so ultimately, one thing led to another. And of the short list of candidates, I was the one that just made the most sense. I did a phone interview with David Locke, and I got the show. And then I was announced as the new host, which was a very uh, surreal experience for me hearing Ben share my name on the show because it was just like two weeks prior to that we had done a show with Ben where I was like a guest on the show for the first time doing kind of a round table and he shared that segment with David and he was like this is one of the guys that I think could really really do a good job taking over the show listen to him hear what he had to say about the team and he loved the segment Ben thought I did well and and here we are now almost three years later which is crazy to think about about two and a half years later two and a half seasons of Rockets basketball as the host of Locked on Rockets and we've done a lot of really amazing things and it's Uh, I've been able to meet some really amazing people like you guys along the way, right? And uh, my biggest thing is I always, in any way, shape, or form, try to pay it forward because I would not be where I'm at today without the help and the guidance of so many countless individuals who have helped really push me along to this point. Adam Clanton of Sports Talk 790, who gave me some really solid career advice early on. Uh, Chris Gardner, the Houston Round Ball Review, who has you know taken me under his wing and really helped kind of show me the media landscape and how to behave as a professional, but also you know stay true to myself along that path. Obviously, Ben DuBose and you know the confidence that he had in me, had in me to take over the show. Ali Kambijani of The Athletic, who has, you know, absolutely been another guy who's, you know, been around the team for six, seven, eight years, and Mm -hmm. he kind of knows the landscape and has helped me along that journey. So I'm always trying to pay it forward, no matter what, to whoever I can in any way, shape, or form, which is why, you know, as soon as I saw what you guys were doing with Summit State of Mind, I was like, these guys are one incredible they're 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 so personable you guys are such a joy to listen to whenever i do get a chance to catch an episode and i was like i've got to reach out to these guys i've got to get to know them and i've got to help them out because they're kind of at the beginning part of their journey and i want to see them you know grow and blossom and flourish the same way that i've been able to these last few years dude I feel like we're just in the middle of like an Oprah Winfrey interview and I'm just like, <laughs> and I'm just like paying it forward. Like, come on, man. But like, I just have to say, just after hearing your, first of all, that's a great story. And also thinking about in terms of the Rockets podcast community, like it's so, I don't know. I can't speak for other states. I can't speak for other cities, but I just feel like our, it's Houston. Like it's so H town to be down for each other, to be able to help each other out. You know, for like us, like we had, you know, Don Knock was the first, uh, was one of the first ones that uh, reached out to us. Then when we got on the Apollo, we were able to go on the Apollo podcast. Yeah. And then, you know, and then you, of course, I think it's just amazing. And to add on to what you were saying, just about how incredible the Houston community is, especially the Rockets podcast community. And, you know, I just hearing that story is, you know, it's inspiring to me, it's inspiring to my brother, and I think it should be inspiring for anybody that wants to, you know, make that leap forward to doing something that they love. Because you can, you can attest to this. You, you're doing something you love. This is basketball. It's Rockets. It's, you could say that in a way you're almost, you're living your dream for the most part. Yeah, it's, it's really crazy to think about. And the fact that I've been able to have uh, enough of an experience to be able to do this to this point. Now I get to say that I do this full time. It's really crazy because I'm just like, yo, I'm just a guy that likes basketball. Like I don't pretend to try and be an expert on any one topic. You know, I'm not the best when it comes to X's and O's. I'm not the best with the cap. Uh, There are guys that understand like the flow and feel of the game better than I do, but I just try to ride the wave with Rockets fans. And I think that's where, even though I've got my background in broadcast journalism, even though I went to school for that, and that's you know what I wanted to do with my career. 
I don't consider myself like a big J journalist by any stretch of the imagination. I like to say I'm a little J journalist because I understand the the <laughs> basics and the principles and I try and I'm sure I fail plenty of times, but I try to separate myself at times and take the, the, the red tinted shades off and try to look at things objectively for this rocket scene, which is why I try not to just be like, uh, you know, a complete homer at all times. You know, I'm not going to completely always paint the organization in a, mm-hmm. in a positive light. I'm going to critique when I have to critique. But at the end of the day, I ride the highs and lows with Rockets fans because I am a Rockets fan. You know, to my core, I love this Houston Rockets team. I want to see them succeed. I want to see them win a chip. I want to see them build something incredible and fun and exciting to use Rafael Stone's words for what he's trying to accomplish as the general manager, something that is uh, longstanding, that'll be around for years to come. I want to see them build a dynasty, and I want to be one of the guys covering that dynasty when it ultimately happens, hopefully, right? And it's a very surreal experience to be able to sit here and be like, yeah, like, you know, I cover the team and I just talk about basketball and that's what I do. It's a trip. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And and to quote uh, what Craig Ackerman said, you know, when we were able to have him on, mm-hmm. he even said like when the Astros, you know, with regards to the Astros, you know, they were losing 100 plus games, but you know, he was, you, when you're there from the beginning, now you're, this is going to be a homegrown squad. You know, these are guys we drafted, Al P, Jalen Green, Josh Christopher, whoever we're going to draft uh, this coming draft as well. They're all going to come up with us and we're going to be able, when the time comes and we're ready to contend and go for a title, we were here at the, we were here at the grassroots of it, which is incredible. And we're all coming up together and I think it's just great. And, and I appreciate you for, you know, just, just telling that story because it's very interesting and, you know, I just really enjoyed it. It's great stuff, man. Like, seriously, like, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's humbling considering that you are a fan just like us and what you've been doing from then to now. I think that is inspiring in the grand scheme of things. It's really cool to see where you came from and to where you are now. And for people like us who are just starting out essentially in the sense, I mean, we've been doing this for what, maybe almost two years? We've been talking, yeah, we've been doing this officially for almost two years, but we've been talking Rocket since we were children. Like, yeah. literally, the, the, yeah, the base of our true. pod was just like, all right, we already talk, we are, we argue about yeah. Rockets, the Rockets yeah. should be doing this, we should have gotten, Ron Artest should have done this on offense, no, but he should have done this yeah. on offense. <laughs> and mean, then we're like, yeah, <laughs> just plug the mic in front of us, yeah. and you know, we'll just hit the ground running. And just yeah. let it rip, yeah. Yeah, yeah. just let it rip. I mean, we have, we have like it. a small group of friends that we always talk basketball with and they would always be like you and kenny should do a podcast we're like eh, maybe telling us that I for don't a while know. Now. you know <laughs> we didn't have that kind of confidence but at the end of the day because of that you know we have this platform now and we're very grateful not just to be able to talk to you but to talk to everyone that's within the community we feel that the community is very close and we feel all the support from everyone yep. and we're just very grateful you know in the yeah, grand scheme of absolutely. things it's just really awesome to have that kind of support and it's always nice to see how tight-knit the community is. That's something that you don't get with all sports teams, especially Houston. We rep that shit hard, dude. Absolutely. You know? No, 100%. I think, too, the, the really unique thing about this Rockets community is, and Ben DuBose has, has spoken at length about this, I believe, on Twitter as well, is just that there is a place for fan perspective and interaction when it comes to a team, right? It's Obviously, you've got your traditional journalists and big J journalists and reporters like uh, Jonathan Fagan with the Chronicle, Kelly Eco, Daniel Lerner, you know, all of them, right? Guys who are, uh, you know, covering the team and they don't necessarily have an affiliation with the team. They're not fans of the team. If anybody remembers, there was that discourse not long ago on Rockets Twitter where it came out that all these people weren't actually fans of the team and everybody was freaking out about this. And I was like, okay, maybe it's just because I went to broadcast journalism school. Like, I understand journalism yeah. is a job just like any other yep, profession, right? You exactly. don't have to be a fan of the team to cover the team. However, mm-hmm. 
individuals who are fans of the team that they cover and also simultaneously have a level of access akin to some of the traditional beat reporters and writers like the guys I just mentioned, it provides a level of nuanced, you know, ability to inform the masses about what's going on. And I think for me, there's kind of this lineage and it started with Dave Hardesty, founder of Clutch Fans, who has, who hides no... He is a gigantic Rockets fan through and through. OG 99er. But he is also... Like, he also understands how to conduct himself in a media capacity, right? He's been credentialed. He's been credentialed for years. Uh, he's not at every game, but he... You know, he's in the he's in the Zoom conferences, all of that, and he covers the team. And then another extension of that tree is Ben DuBose, who hide, does not hide the fact that he is a fan of this Rockets team. He wants to see them succeed. He considers himself, you know, a blogger more than, you know, a traditional reporter in that mm-hmm. sense. And then I feel like I kind of come along, and I'm like the third in that lineage, so to speak, of just guys who have gotten to a point where... They've got a certain level of access with the team. You're able to ask informed questions to try and, you know, do your due diligence as a fan of the team, but also to try and, you know, be an extension of the rest of Rockets fans, right? I try to keep myself as informed as possible as to what's going on with Rockets fans, where the frustrations lie, what's going on. And and I use my ability to tap into the fandom to better inform myself and the questions that I ask when I do get a chance to ask Steven Silas a question or talk to the players and try to understand where they're at in a given, you know, in a shooting slump or when, when you know, things are going good and there's a win streak happening, right? Trying to understand what's going on with this team and trying to ask the questions that fans really want to hear the answers to because I do think at times there's a disconnect between the traditional media that covers the team and maybe like the me- the, the fan media that covers the team, the, the three or so guys that I just kind of outlined there and then the the final extension of that is true blue fans like yourselves who cover the team who aren't to a point where you're you know you're not necessarily credentialed with the team but that doesn't change the fact that you can't have insight and analysis and opinions about the team that are very warranted and and valid and I do think that the Rockets community far and beyond almost any other NBA community out there has that in droves it is so cool to see the number of minds and creative individuals who have a platform who can share their thoughts their feelings their opinions about this team And we're all better for it because at the end of the day, we're all here to talk hoops. We're all here to talk Rockets basketball. And, you know, we might have deferring opinions on something, but as long as we can discuss it in an adult manner, we're going to be better for that, right? Because then you might have an opinion. I'm like, oh, I didn't really ever consider it from that point of view. That's Mm -hmm. really smart. And then by having so many different people bring so much to the table, I think that's what makes Rockets Twitter and just the Rockets fandom and community such a unique, amazing place. Speak to the people, Jackson. Let them know that... Jackson, We're not Jackson's spitting on this pot. So no. <laughs> Talk to the choir, baby. Talk to the choir right here. There He's we go. Preaching. There we go. My man is preaching over here. So. Dude, I, I just have to say also in regards to that, too, because like, you know, it's not we're not perfect. You know, it, it, it rocket, for example, like Rockets Twitter is going to be Rockets Twitter. There's going to be deferring opinions. But I would fully agree if if we can. We're all adults. If we can handle it and don't like manner, it's it's fine. We can have yeah. a we can have a constructive argument in terms of you know for example uh you know for, i don't know christian wood for instance i know people have deferring opinions on him and yeah that, go, that, so on and so <laughs> forth you know like i think it's great as long as everybody's open-minded and willing to take um an opposing opinion from from themselves i think that we'd all grow from that and I, there's nothing wrong with that i mean there are things that i've read about christian wood or even heard because i mean as if everybody that listens to this podcast I'm not a big fan of him, but it doesn't mean that I'm not open to hearing the great things that he does because there are also things that he does very well. Of course. But it just doesn't mean that, you know, like I'm a hater. This means like 
I just think there's there's a fit that might go against what we're trying to do here. And there's nothing wrong with that either. We're all having opinions on what we believe would help the team grow. I think that's and, the ultimate goal, right? Yeah. That would be the end goal of it all, be all, end all, was to just find a way to get this team closer and closer to being in contention, obviously. Absolutely. So, okay, good stuff, Jackson. Great story once again, you know, letting us in on kind of like your 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 life and like I said, it's your first time on the podcast. And uh, shout outs to Don Knock who actually just popped in here. He's <laughs> he gave us his story as well. So yeah, Don Knock's on the pod too. Maybe at some point we'll have to we'll have to plug in an extra mic and get him in here. But uh, we're going to take a quick break right here. Look, we're a Rockets podcast. We're going to talk Rockets coming up next, but we're going to take a quick ad break and we'll be right back. Have you thought about grabbing a meal on the go, eating a meal in smoothie form? How about an acai bowl from Rush Bowls? They have plenty of options for those that are looking for a great, healthy meal. I was literally there last Sunday, and I got myself a yoga bowl. The yoga bowl is just so delicious. It's blended with mango, pineapple, banana, matcha, froyo, and your choice of dairy or non-dairy milk. I'll say this time and time again. Get it with oat milk. Just delectable. It's topped with granola, chia seeds, bananas, and honey. And if you want to add a little extra flavor, I suggest to top it off with their in-house peanut butter. It is so delicious. They even have deals all throughout the week. Dog on Mondays, where you get a free Bow Wow Bowl for your dog with any purchase of a bowl. So if you want to take your little friend with you, highly suggest it and wellness wednesdays get you two dollars off wellness bowls or smoothies so if you're craving a nice healthy and light meal us at the summit state of mind highly suggest visiting rush bowls and grab yourself a delicious acai bowl it's the best bowl in houston so follow them on instagram at rush bowls houston and visit them at their location at 6001 Washington Avenue, Suite 200 in Houston, Texas. And make sure to mention that the Summit State of Mind sent you. Because if you mention the Summit State of Mind, you will receive 33% off your next bowl. Let me repeat that. 33% off your next bowl. So when you go there, make sure to really mention that the Summit State of Mind sent you. This is Don Nock broadcasting live from Urban South. We're doing a level check. Um, Hopefully everything is good. And uh, we're going to cop a lot of pleas for Jalen Green in the dunk contest in the next segment. So stay tuned for that. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Summit State of Mind presented by the Minute Media Podcast Network. And if you heard our drop coming back from the ad break, we have another guy who just happened to drop in. He dropped in like Hollywood Hulk Hogan dropped in in WCW 96, just out of nowhere to be the third or I guess in this case, the fourth man of the NWO talking to <laughs> Don Knock, man. Welcome back at the summit. Impromptu. I didn't even know you guys were here. I just literally walked in and just happened to see you guys. So, you know, uh, very unexpected uh, addition to the pod, but glad to be here as always. <laughs> surprise, surprise. I know, right? Surprise, surprise. I think- so a last-minute addition to the squad. So does this make Don the, the Dennis Schroeder of this podcast? 
Yo, you know what? Ooh. I think so. Can, he was can the I last give the shout out. Can I give the shout out? Do it. Shout out to Scrotum Cold. I, I wasn't, <laughs> wasn't going to say that on our podcast. I'm sorry. I had to defile you guys' part of this. I said the Schroeder Cold on mine, and Jackson also said Schroeder Cold on his. So uh, y'all are getting the, the unfiltered version. But I, okay. I will also say, hey, I was in the group chat where they started bouncing that idea off one, one another. It's the Bias Houston group chat. And uh, it was it was kind of wild to see because they started running with it. And I was like, this is some silliness right here. This is going to flame out real quick. <laughs> Next thing I know, they're getting all these likes, all these retweets. And I was like, man, this, this scrotum cult thing might be a, a little bit more than we bargained for here. So, But, hey, Dennis Joy came out and played an incredible second game, I think it was. And yeah. they got completely validated. So, you know, respect to them. They believed when literally no one else did. So. <laughs> Unbelievable, bro. <laughs> yeah. we, we did our pod in I'll Eat Crow because we did our pod like the day before that second game. And we were like, man, we have to start thinking, like, is this the move? <laughs> but I immediately, I got on Twitter and I was like, yo, I will eat all the crow every day. Like, yeah. he was exactly, he was, he's great. He's perfect for what we need right now. I'll gladly eat the crow. That's the thing. That's a great thing about, I think, us as, like, podcasters. Like, we can, I think we can admit when we're wrong, right? Well, dude, that there's we, a collective we were, roundtable agreement there. We did a space following the trade deadline, and there were so many people in there, and they were like, Raphael Stone, drop the ball. Raphael oh, Stone, terrible GM, yeah. fire him right now, blah, blah, And I was like, all right, this is being a little dramatic here. We got four guys in the draft that have all looked, you know, pretty good to extremely good. And y'all yeah. ready to get this dude up out of here for a Dennis Schroeder trade? That Look, we got off all of yeah. that Daniel Tice money. Like, let's let's calm down yeah. a little bit here. And then the next day it was like, Don, why did you not love Dennis Schroeder as, the rest, as much as the rest of us? And I was like, Look at the, do the, I have the, to the run over- the transcripts back? <laughs> 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 Remember what y'all said to me yesterday? The overreactions in Rocket Schroeder. Rocket Schroeder is an amazing place, but the overreactions, like, constantly swinging from left to right, up, down. Like, it's just... Everywhere. It's a lot, you know, and I think that at the end of the day, sometimes you just have to be a little bit more measured in your approach and be like, hey, it was one game. Everybody overreacted like hell to the one game. And I think there might have even been too much of an overcorrection to the second game because it's like, yeah, like he had a good game. Like he looked really good. It looked, you know, things were flowing. Yeah. 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 Is he the second coming of Chris Paul? No, like chill. Like it's, <laughs> he's going to be a good fit for what they were trying to accomplish. And that's that. Right. And it doesn't have to be too high and you don't have to be too low on it. Rafael Stone doesn't need to be fired. Like just pump the brakes a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Just chill out. Right. Exactly. I, well, well I, I think Dennis Schroeder, right. Chris Paul obviously is a much too high of a bar, but I think you, you can get like Ish Smith. With better playmaking, Put maybe like Ish's name. Man. Ish is a great player, but I'm saying like, former Rocket. <laughs> you're having that level of speed, right? Chris Paul is never known as a speed type of player, so True. you're no. getting that level of speed. And I was listening back to some of the Celtics people talk about Schroeder, and they said, you know, this guy is never someone that ran in transition, never someone that did a bunch of hit-ahead passes. And since he's been on the Rockets, he's done those things pretty frequently. So you know, whether that's coaching, whether that's him adjusting the style to who he sees around him. I've been very impressed with the way he's tailored his game to the wrong, to the young Rockets core. Sorry. But yeah. Um, yeah. You no. know, for a guy that they picked up basically to dump the Daniel Tice contract, you know, we may not be getting Kelly Olynyk 2.0 here, but you know, he may have, you know, some Kelly Olynyk vibes, right? He's going to just be here, chill, lead the guys for the second half of the season. And, you know, he'll go where he goes in the off season and, and that'll be it. So Absolutely. We'll see what we'll see where that goes later on because we're definitely gonna have to spotlight that later on in the episode. But boys, let's talk Rockets. Let's talk All Star Weekend because we're just coming out of it. Recording this Sunday. The episode's gonna come out Monday, but recording this Sunday afternoon, beautiful Sunday afternoon here in uh, H Town. But we have to talk about uh, All Star Weekend. Obviously, let's talk about Friday first. Jay Sean Tate. 
Alperin Shangoon, Jalen Green, all Alperin Shangoon, always. always, always. Oh wait, can I get an always on three? One, two, three. Always. It's <laughs> like a barbershop quartet, right there. there you oh, go. I should have harmonized with you. I'm sorry, guys. I'm, 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 I'm <laughs> apparently, according to the GM, I'm the singer of the group, but I have to be able to get that okay. together. So, Jayshon Tate and Alperin Shangoon, uh, Jay, and including Jalen Green as well. Jay, they all played in the Rising Stars game with uh, Jay Gup as a spectator, which was fantastic. I really think he should have gotten some. Pe- he should have played, but that's. That's just that's just me. But uh, let's talk about this right now, the Rising Star game. Uh, Jay, Jay Tate obviously hit a game winner. In my opinion, was snubbed on the MVP. LP was doing a little bit of everything, defense. He, he had that big defensive stop on LaMelo Ball. And uh, Jalen Green, obviously, you know, who took the cake in terms of, obviously, on offense. what is it? Yeah, on offense, yep. doing, he had 20 points. So let's talk about this right now. Uh, Jackson, I want to turn it over to you first, the guest of honor. Um your overall opinions. We'll talk. Let's talk about uh, rising. You know, rising stars in that weekend, that Friday night. What was your overall opinion there? Well, first off, I think that the new rising stars format is really cool. Like, I, I love the the draft. I love that they incorporated some of the G League players. And while I do think some of the uh, overall team construct team construction was a little questionable from some of the uh, the coaching, <laughs> I, I will say that the way that they did the draft and kind of revamped the style to where you have like kind of this pickup style atmosphere where there's not you know it's not super rigid you're not really like you know trying to have like a rotation of guys and on top of that being able to play the the first game the score up to 50 or the first two games I should say and then have the championship game be a score up to 25 to honor the 75 or 75th anniversary for the NBA thought that was really cool like a really nifty kind of dynamic for them to include in this uh, new rising stars format and then Again, the way that we, what we saw out of Jalen Green, I should say, he was to me had the best individual game of anybody across all three of the Rising Stars games. Because you you look at at his final tally, right? He finished with twenty points, eight of thirteen shooting, four of nine from deep. He had two boards, two assists, two steals, had a block. Like I mean, he was playing out of his mind. He looked comfortable out there, and. I know that there were a lot of people that were already on Twitter talking about, you know, Stephen Silas this, Stephen Silas that, about the way that Jalen Green looked with the ball in his hands instead of being run off, you know, weak side stagger sets. So there was, you know, maybe there's a little bit of a referendum to be had there. But Jalen Green looked calm, cool, collected. He was having a great game. Uh, Him and what was it? Him and Jalen Suggs really, like, carried uh, team worthy. And, And unfortunately, they came up a little bit short in that first game, it really does kind of sting that Jalen went for you know what would have been the game winner and got blocked. That was that was kind of tough to stomach, unfortunately. Yeah, I know. And he kept saying to the is it worthy? Got, he dropped. He ended up dropping the f bomb on live TV, and he was like, "That was a foul! Come on, man, that's a foul!" He's like, "Get it on my boy!" But yeah, good good spotlighting uh, Jalen Green. Don Knock, let's let's turn it over to you. Let's spotlight Jay Sean Tate now. You know, you you got to see the Rising Stars game, and and obviously the way the work that he was going to do. He's not going to change who he is. I. I knew right off the gate, I was like, Jayshon Tate's going to play. Like, if P.J. Tucker played in a Rising Stars game, that's basically how he would play. But I want to ask you your overall opinion on Jayshon Tate, who, in my opinion, was the MVP. Yeah, I definitely think he should have been the MVP as well. Um, you saw what Rockets fans have seen from Jayshon Tate for two years now. He gets in the paint. He has his hooks. He has his little counters that he's going to get to, even if you know there are elite type of rim protection on the other team, um, you know, having Evan Mobley on his own team kind of helped not having to go up against that. You know, we don't have right, to get right. into all of the, the Evan Mobley Rockets <laughs> fan base drama. But, um, yeah, you know, Tate played a very comfortable game. We saw people on Twitter saying, 
hey, wait a minute, this guy is 26, what are we doing? But, uh, you know. That's though, first off, that's ageism. I'm just gonna put it that is out. Ageism, put it but out. Hey, there. you know, Chris Duarte. You're 26 too. Chris Duarte. <laughs> Chris Duarte was gonna be in the the Rising Stars game as well. Yes, and no one's saying, yep. hey, this guy's super yep. old. So, so I don't want to hear that. First of all, it's his second year in the league, and yeah, you know that game winner was incredible. His poise was incredible. He looked really good defensively, as Jay Shante is known to do. And like you said, uh, a guy like Jay Shante gets into this type of game, and he's gonna defend because that's what. That's, exactly. what that's the Billy does. exactly what he uh, does. He looked really good defensively. But again, that's the no for- surprise to anyone that watches the Rockets. The format, yeah. too, was really nice in the sense that, like, yes. kind of earlier in the game, right, you didn't see a whole lot of, like, you know, tough, gritty defense being played. But it was just like the, the Elam ending we've seen in the in the All-Star game previously where they, as the, as the score starts winding down and you get closer and closer to the end, you start mm-hmm. seeing these guys kind of buckle down. And because there's not, like, a set – oh, there's two minutes left on the game clock, 60 seconds, 30, whatever. It's just a score, and you're just playing the score. You start to really see those guys buckle down, and that was what made the defensive stop from Jay Sean Tate on the mellow ball so incredible is because it was just like, all right, now you're seeing these guys kind of dig in deep, play a little bit more defense, and Jay Sean Tate, exactly, he's not going to change who he is, right? You're putting Jay Sean Tate into the Rising Stars game. He's absolutely going to play both sides of the ball. You know, if, if they wanted a game with, with no defense to be played, you shouldn't have invited Jay Sean Tate. Absolutely. <laughs> well, you know, the, the fun, it's funny thing when you said ageism earlier, and I immediately thought, yo, man, Duarte is 24. And, yeah. I mean, he couldn't play, but... I mean, hey, he's a 24-year-old rookie. I'm just saying. So, you know, good points, solid points there. Uh, We spotlighted Jalen Green and Jay Shantae, and it's only proper that I hand it over to the GM because my man wanted LP from the get-go. We got (laughs) LP, Alperin, Shangoon, always and forever. Now we're gonna lay it up to you. You're gonna lay. We're gonna lay it up to you now, GM. What was your overall opinion on how Alp performed uh, on the Rising Stars uh, game? Based on what I saw, he played well. He did what he was supposed to do. I mean, he hit a three. Like, come on now. Anytime Alp hits a three, it's just like the world goes nuts. And you know, like, and he looks so good doing it. The past few games, every time he shoots a three, I feel like it's going in. It's like literally watching Garrison Matthews shoot a three. That's what it feels like when I. The release is a little bit slower for Alp, but you know, like every time, every time puts it up, like my expectation is just like, yo, bro, this going in, yeah, right. But I mean, Alp played well, man, and we're just happy to see him get that kind of spotlight in the big in the the grand scheme of things because he doesn't get as much love as deserved right well because the announcers too didn't even know who he was exactly. for either of the games because you know, <laughs> one it made sense because they had adam lefko doing the announcing and i was like oh <laughs> dude i do i do not i do yeah. not like adam lefko i don't think he does a great job whatsoever yeah no it's okay we're <laughs> podcast numbers come crashing down right now no no with, 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 but i mean they they mixed up Shingun and Wagner like twice during yes, the game like two three did. times yeah. and then at one point they were like yep. we really like Shingun yeah we like his game a lot like they, they clearly had no idea what you know <laughs> who Shingun was what he could do on the basketball floor he did have that one highlight like signature no look pass I think it was to yeah. Evan Mobley for the, for the dunk Beautiful. for the finish yeah. unfortunately I mean, it was to Evan Mobley unfor- <laughs> I don't know about unfortunately hey, it's okay it was still appreciated because it was you know it was a taste of what we get to see on a nightly basis yeah. with Shingun thankfully the national audience got to see at least one highlight pass from him there you go as, as a green gang general it hurt my heart that he had to pass it Evan Mobley <laughs> that right now but you know Shingun right I I got caught up candid, candid camera. Of course, we were doing a live stream. It was me and Disney Gary Clark, you know, friend of the show. Um, when we drafted Shingun, it was like, hey, you know, this guy 
defense could be a question mark. And we saw Alperen Shingun go out there and lock up two of the last possessions. Uh, one of them was on Bones Highland. Uh, do you remember who the other one was against? That was Lamelo. It was Lamelo. Lamelo. He yeah. Yes. Airball yeah. Lamelo ball. Yeah. yeah. So it was you know, incredible. those are two very good shot creators, and to have a guy that you had, you know defensive sliding question marks about to stay with those guys, give a good contest and make them, you know, chuck up a prayer at the last second of the game was that's all you could have wanted out of Albert Shingun when he was drafted is, Hey, let's make sure this guy is engaged defensively. Let's make sure he can slide his feet. The rim protection will come, but you know, looks engaged, looks great. Looks like he has good defensive instincts and, yeah, you know, that's going to be my big takeaway from this. As much fun as the passing is and, and as much fun as, you know, Jay Sean Tate game winner, if Alperin Shingun can slide his feet defensively and be a, a, a menace in the paint, that's going to be very good for the Houston Rockets going to the next, you know, seven-plus years of having Alperin Shingun on the roster. Yeah, absolutely. Seven-plus seven years. He's yeah. already banking on it. He's already seven. saying we're oh, giving, yeah. he, he said Give we're him. giving Alperin Shingun a rookie extension. Like, period. There you go. Like, he already about, hooked him up. Well, who's that guy on the Who's that guy on the Padres? Who's that? We, they gave the three hundred and fifty million dollars. Oh, Fernando Tatis Jr. For, man, you're giving. We're gonna yeah, give LP him. the Fernando Tatis deal. Okay. Absolutely. Why well, would you not? Same <laughs> treatment. Same treatment. Well, you know what I mean? I just I just have to say too, in regards to uh, the Rising Stars game, uh, we had three Rockets in there. I think if there was any team, look, it was in Cleveland. They have Evan Mobley, obviously, but I think in terms of like the team that impacted. Them, that had the highest impact. I mean, well, we have to agree across the board. It has to be the Houston Rockets, right, Jackson? You know, I'm really actually torn on that. Um, oh, I, I, again, this is this is me <laughs> trying not to be a complete Rockets owner. I, Homer, I do think the Rockets had a very large impact on it, but I will say that both Cade Cunningham and Isaiah Stewart from the Detroit Pistons. Mm also had quite an impact on the game, especially seeing as how both of those guys played on opposite ends of the spectrum in the championship game against each other. Mm-hmm. Kind of changes the dynamic a little bit, but I do think that with Jay Shantae hitting the game winner, Alperin Shingun with his presence, at Jay Shantae with just the defense that he was playing, mm-hmm. yeah, there, there were only three teams, I believe. It was the Rockets, Pistons, and I think it was the Magic who had three representatives from each of their respective teams. Yeah. Uh, oh. Nobody else had three. Wagner I mean, didn't get to play, though, for the Magic. They had, yeah. they had Anthony and Suggs who did play. Yeah, but I mean, I I shout out to shout out they have, to. Si- they have a fourth? No, no, I don't, I don't think so. I know so. they had three, but I mean, okay. to to piggyback on what Jackson said, shout out to Sadiq Bay. He had 16 points oh, in one game. He Bay, shot seven of right. eight from the field. No, yes, no, Wagner did play. He did. Who didn't? Who's the one that didn't play? Somebody, so, you're right. Somebody so, didn't Duarte play. Well, did. Duarte, 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 yeah, Duarte, 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 Duarte didn't play. Yeah, but I mean, no. Shout out to Sadiq Bay in the first game. Sadiq Bay. There we go. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. So actually, no, good point. You made a good yeah. argument. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, I think, but I think you're right there with like Pistons and Rockets. They definitely yes, had the yes. most representation, absolutely, and had the biggest impact across all three of the games that we got mm-hmm. to witness for sure. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And they all did work, and we were very happy. The result came exactly as we wanted, and it was. I mean, we can all agree it was F U N. It was fun. Well, it was- I, I would have liked <laughs> to see Jalen Suggs hit that free throw to, to oh, push no, Jalen no, no, Green no. into the final game. But we, we won't so, get into that. We won't. So I'm that. literally like in uh, just a quick story for everybody. I'm just in my bed like I'm chilling because I have to get I had to get ready for that Rockets run that Saturday so I'm just like watching on my bed and I'm just like all right okay cool hit the free throw hit the free throw and then all of a sudden he doesn't hit it and I'm like dang it and I hit the wall really hard <laughs> like I was I so can see frustrated that I was sure. like come on look we're, we're at this point unfortunately this is hypothetical and it's not something we need to actually you know this, that's real but I've got to know had Jalen Green's team had team worthy gone on to the championship round and had Jay Sean Tate still hit the game winner in game two and also been in the championship round with LP. Who would you have been pulling for in the championship game? Jalen or Jay Sean and LP? I want to go around the board here. 
Can you lead us <laughs> off? Lead us off. I, you never get asked questions, so this is fantastic. I, I get so excited when people ask me questions. Okay, I have to say, you know, honestly, if if it'd be a push for me, I, uh, genuinely speaking, I would, I would, I wouldn't care. I'd be like, okay, whoever wins, I yeah, win. Yeah, you're winning fantastic, either way. But right? but if I were to pick, if I were to pick, I love Jay Sean Tate's game. That's my boy. Okay. I gotta Touché. go, Jay Sean Tate. That's my guy. I respect that. But in all honesty, I would have went Jalen Green. Because my boy needs a win. He needs a dub. Let's be real here. Is it? Uh, wait, are we, are, is this just? Is this here. just hindsight? Twenty twenty. Does he need the dub because of how badly the dunk contest went? Which we're gonna get into, <laughs> I'm sure, in a minute. But <laughs> yes, I mean, you know, in the grand scheme of things, you know, we wanted to be proven correct in the sense of him taking all the shots. That's yeah. So it's just yeah. like you know, J- Jalen was playing comfortable. <laughs> my he man was confident, a win. and I think that's what matters. Yeah. You know what I mean? And to see that, I think it's a wonderful thing. Yeah. I, I'm going to go with what you said. I definitely think it was Jalen Green because... Well, had, Jay, we, had we gotten the game, you would have pulled for Jalen Green. Uh, yes, had we gotten okay. the game, I would have pulled for Jalen Green. Absolutely. 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 All that. Mm-hmm. Because Jay Sean Tate, great player. Already fairly respected around the league. Alperin Shingoon, great player. Already fairly respected around the league. I mean, if you look at Shingoon... For the people that in, actually know who he is. Yes. Okay, Big Waz... Does not respect Albert Shingun. We'll get to that when we get to it. But, um, yeah, you know, just even from the refs, right? Albert Shingun came in early. He got a lot of good calls from the refs. You know, not we won't say preferential treatment, but, you know, he goes in. He's getting the paint, getting contact. He's getting calls, and and that's great for the Rockets, right? But Jalen Green, I think he went five or six games without even getting a single free throw. He's just taken endless amounts of slander. After the the dunk contest, he just – they were, it was open season on Jalen Green. It is, absolutely. And because he's higher profile than those other two, he's going to get more attention in either direction, right? So when he was playing well in that game, people were like, oh, wow, look, Jalen Green's doing great. Didn't hit that potential game winner on the step back, and now all of a sudden it's, oh, Jalen Green could have won the game, and now he blew yep, it. And, he and so it, yeah. I, I think for me – you have Jalen, you have KPJ. Those are your guys that really get the big attention. Shingun gets some attention, but you know what we've heard. This is a guards league, but even even taking a step back from that, KPJ because of his exit from Cleveland and Jalen because of his rise, like he had the big social media following and stuff like that. I think those guys are on a more precarious situation just from a media narrative perspective. Yeah, and. You know, that media narrative isn't going to make or break any of these guys, right? But I, I think with Jalen, his usage hasn't probably been what he thought it was going to be coming in. I think the way his season has gone wasn't the way he thought it was going to be. You know, he mm-hmm. was out with injury for a while. He hasn't shot the ball great. He hasn't done a good job finishing at the rim, and that's something that his game is really um, predicated on. So I think for Jalen, just getting some level of a confidence boost – going into the second half of the season would have been really nice because I'm not worried about Jay Sean Tate or Albert Shingun's confidence. I mean, Albert Shingun shooting a three ball and saying always every time he shoots it, right? Is this a guy that's lacking for confidence? You know, no. I personally <laughs> think so. Yeah, uh, yeah. Jay Sean Tate, you know, he's not someone that lacks for confidence. He's going in the paint trying to put up his hooks and his, his counters against Joel Embiid and Yasin Tinakupo and the like. So for me, I think Jalen would have been the person I wanted to see really succeed just because he is a, a a little bit more in a fluid situation confidence-wise. Absolutely, absolutely. I agree too because – and it's a perfect – 
a transition going into it now because we're going to talk about the uh, the flat tire, the <laughs> ultimate flat tire, the dunk contest. Some people, and it's unfortunate because some people are dubbing it the worst dunk contest of all time. Let's talk about it right now. Jalen's disappointing showing for the dunk contest. Uh, it's it's unfortunate, you know. He promoted NFTs while missing all of his dunks. It's 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 such a shame. But it's something that obviously, you know, we're a Rockets podcast and we have to talk about it. So, Jackson, I want to turn it over to you first. Um, for me personally, before I before I hand it over to you, I just think Jalen Green. I think he should have let off with the windmill I, for me it's my mindset was like yo this is this is Zach Levine 2.0 you can jump out of the building you don't need to do anything special you're creative on your own you can make the easiest dunks look effortless you can oh no sorry you can make the toughest dunks look effortless I didn't think me a dunk contest aficionado I love dunk contests it's one of my favorite uh, things throughout the year but um, I didn't think he had to do too much in regards to his dunks because he's so fluid and smooth like I just didn't think he needed to do too much do a windmill you'll get a 45 and if there was a dunk contest you could easily win it was going to be this one but I want to lay it, lay it up over to you first what was your overall opinion on his showing you know first off how dare you not lob it over to me seeing as how oh, we're yes. discussing the dunk yes. contest oh not, yes not lay it up to me oh, so. let me lob well you know what if it's a missed layup and you can dunk it back in oh okay, okay. all right with that Amari Stoudemire adding your stats offensive I, rebound as well oh no no the, I will oh, Steve Nash it over to Amari oh, right off the forehead there we go no <laughs> um, no so look I think that there is at the end of the day maybe a little bit of strategy that does go into the dunk contest and I wish that Jalen had taken a look at the field and just kind of understood all right this is where everybody else is at. I get to go last, which I thought was really dope that they let Jalen Green go last because I think that he was the name that was kind of the most hyped up. I thought this was going to be a two-man game between Jalen and Obi Toppin in this dunk contest. And it should have been. For all intents and purposes, it should have been a two-man game between those two guys. Juan Toscano Anderson won. I loved what he brought out with, like, the Mexican flag, like, on the jersey. Like, love that. I hate giving props to a Warriors player, but that was really dope. I thought it was really cool. I thought it was cool, too. I got it. Uh, Cole Anthony with the Tims, like, trying to do that dunk. That was cool. Like, props him for trying to pull off something didn't get a chance to do you know all that but with Jalen he just had to survey the field and be like all right do a windmill do something simple if he had done what wound up being his second dunk first he would have he would have gotten easily a 45 probably would have gotten some you know some tens thrown in there and could have walked away with 46 47 on that first dunk and it would not have been an issue Mm -hmm. but he came out of the gate he flexed the nft necklace which i thought was a little cringe gonna be a little honest but had he followed it up with like a flush on like the first or second attempt then it would have been pretty dope but he had like how many attempts did he have at that i mean I think it, it was, was like, nine i think it was nine or nine oh, wow was it nine? Okay, wait, hey i can curse on this podcast right yes absolutely oh, thank God. do it okay because i I, Fully I, try, unleashed. I i stay a little bit away from that unlocked and rockets no, but i Jack- do as well on our part give me jackson and don unleashed <laughs> you don't unfiltered no anyway no so I, I think keith smith was the one who put it out on twitter saying that the nft necklace that Jalen green wore was for the nine fucking times he tried to yep. attempt to dunk <laughs> i was like it was one of those where i i saw it i lost it hurt it was such a deep cut it was so deep it was hilarious <laughs> so, <laughs> no so it was just one of the look Jalen tried to come out of the gate and tried to be electric with a straight 50 dunk. Tens across the board. That's what he was going for with yeah. the with the off the side of the backboard. And he was going for what looked like a windmill off the side of the backboard. That would have been... It was between the legs off the side between, of the backboard. Uh, between yep. the yep. legs, windmill, the you know, off the side of the backboard. That would have been incredible. He absolutely would have killed it on that. But 
the issue with the dunk contest is when you start missing those first couple dunks, one, you start to lose the crowd, then you start to lose the judges. And not only that, the part that a lot of people forget, it takes a lot of effort to repeatedly make those jumps over and over and over. So you mm-hmm. could tell, I mean, even though he's 20 years old, it's still it's taking a lot out of your lower body, your legs, you, suddenly you lose your legs. And so yep. even when Jalen finally did get his dunk to go, like it didn't have, like he, he was still springy, he was still bouncy, but you could tell that he was a little bit gassed oh, from yeah. having to put up so many attempts before that. So... It's frustrating because I wish that he would have just like pocketed that dunk, read the room, and like, nah, you know what, Josh, hang on. We're, we're just going to go with something simple, a yeah. simple windmill. He mm-hmm. could have done, right, the windmill from the Rising Stars game. Yeah, and, just and that would have been the 45. Stand, the standstill, like, straight off vert, like, no run-up, whatever yeah. windmill, and he would have gotten a straight 45 and been in the championship round. Like, not even. So it's it's frustrating on that behalf. Jalen Green is going to be back, though. Like, I, I, I put this out there, like, Saturday night, even before Jalen did his media availability afterwards. I was like, yo, Jalen's 100% going to be back for this because yeah. he's, you know, and some people were like, no, like, you know, dunk contests are for, like, you know, young up-and-coming players or, like, just athletic role players off the bench. And I'm like, no, they're not. Like, what? Like, let, if Jalen Green wants to come back next year, they will absolutely let Jalen Green back in next year. And yeah. I had so many people talking him. about the fact that, oh, he's not going to be back or they're not going to let him back in. It's like, what? No, in. of course they will. They, ha- they had all, look, uh, uh, no, no disrespect to Juan Toscano-Anderson and Obi Toppin, but I mean, if you, if you need some star power like names, Jalen Green, I, I I give it up to Jalen Green for being because for doing that because star, NBA like up and comers like look Michael Jordan did it, Dominique Wilkins did it, Vince Carter did it, Kobe. you know yeah Kobe did it as well. Like I think it's cool that you you that Jalen chose to do that. I think that's fantastic. It's great. Blake did it another year, but let me lob it over over to you, Don. Um, in terms of what. The way that he, you know, the way he kind of did the dunk contest, he had the nine tries. I personally believed that after the first two or three, maybe just shift it right there, you probably would have gotten a higher score off of mm-hmm. that. But what did you think? Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with that. I think Jalen having his good friend Josh Christopher there, I think that kind of Keep it it real. played into the demise of the dunk because he was like, hey, you know, I've been with Josh Christopher since seventh grade. This guy knows how to throw this pass and he's going to get it eventually. And having that faith in Josh Christopher led to him say, led to him saying, Hey, let's just try it and try it and try it. And he definitely should have pivoted after, you know, two or three attempts. You could feel it. We could feel it where we were at. Like we were doing a, a live stream, me and Taylor Pate um, for Apollo. After, like we said, the third or fourth try, the judges were kind of looking around. You have that, that, picture of Shaq where he's you know making the crazy face like I'm not not feeling this anymore yeah the meme um yeah if he had done like you said the the drop step windmill or if he had even done the dunk he did second I think he gets a good score and I want to also put this into the the ether of the dunk that he ended up doing which was the the counterclockwise between the legs where he's basically coming in blind with the ball if he hadn't missed that first dunk so many times, I think he would have gotten a better score on that dunk. I feel like they penalized him for missing so many times on the first dunk when they were scoring a second dunk because it seemed like a lot of the judges were just kind of frustrated with him at that point because Mm -hmm. he had the last dunk of the first round and because of the way the seeding went, they just inverted the order and so he went last in the first round and then first in the second round. It seemed like they were just... It was still fresh on their mind how how bored they were of waiting for all the attempts and all that. So it was a tough shake for Jalen Green at the end of the day. And 
Thankfully, though, he'll be able to like look at this, you know, this opportunity and go back and, and hopefully come back retooled next year. And we, at the end of the day, we know that he's got the bounce, right? He, he's an explosive in-game dunker, and he's got all the athleticism in the world to pull this off. I think he was trying to be a little bit too showy with that first dunk. If he, again, if he had just walked out, kept it simple, mm-hmm. then we would be talking about Jalen Green versus Obi Toppin in the championship round. And I, I will say, Obi did have a couple quality-looking dunks, but ultimately, like, it was just kind of a weak overall dunk contest. I'm just going to put that out there. They weren't like, aesthetically but, but pleasing was, in that yeah. sense. You know, Keep it real. With, with the Obi Toppin thing, right? Like, Obi Toppin is someone who was in the dunk contest before. Yep. Didn't have a great showing and then came back, got his mind right, got his dunks right, and now he's and a dunk contest champion. So, absolutely. you know, there's no reason why Jalen Green can't do the same thing. You know, you, exactly. get, you get that NBA weight room under mm. your belt for, you know, a full calendar year. Get some experience, you know. Josh Christopher and him have a lot of time in the summer to to get that toss right, lob right, and you, you come back next year and, and you win it. So, him saying he wants to run it back, you know, we literally have a prime example of someone running it back and that being very successful for them. So, I'm not going to rule that out. And you know, I heard some people also talking on Twitter about Twitter today about, you know, Jalen Green is going to be just devastated by this dunk contest loss. Okay, I'm going to be honest with you guys. Look at Jalen Green. Does he look like someone that does not have confidence? I mean, he's coming out. He's got the the JG chain. He had to pivot from the four chain because oh, know. you know we know. Yep, there you go. We won't get into the Jackson's uh, feud with someone else that had number four on the Rockets, but he had the four chain. He had to pivot to we the JG to. chain. Sorry, you, you, Utah Jazz legend Daniel House Jr. That that one hurts. Yeah, yeah. That one hurts my heart again too. But he had to pivot to the JG chain. Yeah, he yeah. came out with the grill. He came out with the NFT. This is not someone that's struggling for confidence, right? No. You know, he struggled this year with his shot. He struggled this year, you know, getting involved in the offense in the correct way, but he's not someone that's going to, you know, lose this dunk contest and just totally crater in terms of, you know, having confidence in his game and having confidence in his skill set. Absolutely, absolutely. I want to give it over to you now, uh, GM. Let me me lob it over to you because I haven't been lobbing lately, so i got to lob it up over to you now, GM. I'm so jealous. These two got lobs. i got a layup. (laughs) It's a missed layup, which led to an amazing putback. But let me lob it over to you, GM. That's because you you flex with power, Jackson. Let's keep it real. (laughs) Me, 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 and Don are more finesse. We're still working. You're the the Kevin Garnett of the crew. Yeah, we're working. Okay, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. We're working our way to heaven. Right. So I got you. I got you. JG is the KG of the crew. All right, I'll take it. I got you. I got you. I got you. Okay, so GM, I want to turn it over to you now. So, overall opinions on the dunk contest, and let's add another kicker. There was a former Rocket that was at the booth, and he was talking some mad trash about oh, our boy. Man. Okay, well, the Jet, my but, name. <laughs> it, it was heartbreaking hearing it, but you I want to ask you. You have his jersey opinion. too. Shout out to Mania. Oh. Got, yeah. So I, know, I forgot I got that. Okay, so let's so. let's start with Jalen first. I mean, obviously, I, I believe his second dunk was the best dunk of the contest, just over the whole grand scheme of things, correct? But I will say this. If they didn't go um, with the reverse order going on in the second, um, the second attempt, correct? If they didn't do that, then if Jalen went last, then he probably would have had a more lasting impression in regards to his dunk. And that's what matters, you know? Like yeah. you guys stated, the fact that they were already tired of seeing him with all those missed dunks. And then he immediately starts off the second attempts. That's where the issue lies. Because if all the judges saw Cole Anthony, Juan Toscano, Anderson, is it Juan or John? It's Juan. Juan. Juan? Okay, Juan see, I'm wrong. Or yeah. Shout out to my boy Don. I would have changed it I, if he did. Yeah, I said if, if Juan Toscano Anderson <laughs> oh, yeah. won the dunk contest, I would change my, my display name to Don Toscano Anderson for three days. So thankfully, I did not have to go there. Um, <laughs> shout out to Obi Toppin for, for holding it down for me. But yeah, that was, I, that was on the table potentially. So why isn't your name Don Toppin right now? 
I didn't put that out there. We're okay. not feuding, right. We're not feuding right. with the Knicks. We, we ended Touché. the Knicks back Touché. in the 90s. So I don't have to worry I mean, about that. I'm yeah, not going to yeah. say, I'm going to say it low key. I was hoping that he would win just so we could see it for Don. You know, that's my boy, but ooh, it would have been, been cringe. Me, yeah. Cringe as fuck. You know, yeah. I'm, but, I'm up there in terms of, of Rockets, Warriors, Haters. <laughs> so that would have been very agonizing. Yeah, me. I mean, you know, but overall in the grand scheme of things, I just think that if Jalen had gone last, I believe that 45 would have been a 50. I mean, that's just my opinion based on the difficulty of the dunk and the fact he would have rested a little bit longer. He might have looked a little bit more springy. And the, and the judges could have judged him based on the other guys' dunks, and which yeah. weren't too impressive. Let's be honest here, right? So over the grand scheme of things, it's just a matter of situation. Like circumstance sucks. But overall, he had a good showing based on what we saw. In regards to Kenny Smith, though, dude, rocket legend. Kenny Smith. Yeah, I mean, I loved Kenny Smith. He had the Smith. NBA Finals record for three. Yo, bro. I mean, you know, someone. Uh, I don't know if it was uh, if it was Prod who said that. Like, yep. some, I saw someone yep. state like, "Is it because you didn't win a dunk contest in a Rockets jersey?" And I'm like, "Yo, low key, maybe is Kenny that low key petty?" I shout don't know. To, shout out to 93, Kenny Smith. Yeah, bro. He did not get it. Prod was asking whether we should continue to give Kenny Smith the, the Rockets legend moniker, <laughs> given how much he has slandered the, the organization. I mean, you since know, I, I will say playing. this, though. Without his game, th- without his game six three pointer against the Knicks, like, we wouldn't have won that game. So game we have to give him a little yep. bit of clout for that. Yeah. We wouldn't, ha- we would maybe not even have two titles. We might have zero. Because without that first tile, we don't have the confidence for the second one. I'm just, I'm thinking it objectively. You guys. are the, you are the, you're like the, you're the godfather of this table. You're the, you're, you're the elder statesman, right? Uh, now. You know. Way to call your brother old. Oh, Damn. absolutely. This is my guy. Yeah, that, that, this is what we do. I, I, don't, I just don't feel old. I thought you were going to call him an objective pun. hater for a second there. No, <laughs> no, 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 never. I would, ne- I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I mean, you know, in yeah, the yeah. grand scheme of things, you know, I, the slander was real. The fact that he was saying that he's an in-game dunker is ridiculous. Beyond yeah. beyond yeah, measure. Yeah. If anyone yeah. that has followed Jalen Green since high school has known that he's competed in multiple dunk contests and won. So I mean, just based on that, you can tell Kenny Smith doesn't really understand or know much of Jalen. And you know, that's his job. He's just he's there to talk. I'm not gonna hate on him too much for that. You know, maybe there is some Rockets hate behind there, but at the end of the day, he will talk about what he believes is his opinion. Yeah. And I ain't mad at him. I'm it's I'm not gonna hold it against him. Maybe next year Jalen will win him back. That's up to Jalen. Or maybe also it's in turn of, of the fact that Reggie and Dwayne were all pro Jalen and maybe he Touché. just just for the sake of he, he felt the need he had to balance he it out. Had to there balance you go. it out instead of going, Oh, we're all a Jalen stand crowd mm-hmm. and maybe he just went too far to the left. You you, know, you never know. Yeah. You never know. You know, to that <laughs> point, right, you know, I'm thinking I've watched hundreds of games with Clyde Drexler announcing the game. And what do opposing fans always say? This guy's, you know, an unbearable homer. We can't stand when he commentates. So I'm going in thinking, all right, he's going to give Jalen 10 on every dunk. No question. And that is not what happened at all. And I was extremely disappointed in Clyde. <laughs> I think, the, I think the, the one thing that we were robbed of is Jalen – possibility of Jalen bringing Hakeem onto the court. That's what I was waiting. I was like, maybe in the finals? Maybe? Or, I wasn't or even, yeah, I, I, or I was, Gerald yeah, Green. Yeah. Yeah. I, was, I was hoping for a Gerald Green appearance yeah. bar yes. like oh, anyone, yes. right? I was yeah. thinking, right. yeah, yeah, I was yeah. thinking. look, yeah. these guys, he was he was a coach, then he's playing on the Vipers. Like He was right there with Jalen Green. They're both the Green. Like I mean, talk about Green, green Gang. Yeah, like, that yeah. would have been cool. But I will say, and maybe this is not my place to ask another question on this podcast, but I am curious. 
who were your favorite or what was your favorite non Jalen Green dunk in the contest? Because for me, for me, I will say, I thought JTA's first dunk was actually pretty dope. The one where he jumped over Andrew Wiggins. Like, of all of his dunks, that one was actually pretty clean. The one handed, like, swoop around while jumping over Andrew Wiggins. I thought that was pretty clean, and then it was kind of downhill from there. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, you took my favorite, so. That's okay. And now you, I have to make up one. This. No, we can both have this. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, that's right. We're the, we're the jean jacket. We're the jean jacket. Wait, is, jean it, jacket is squad. this the, is this the so. non-Jalen favorite dunk? Is that <laughs> what we're doing right now? Yeah, yep. non-favorite okay, Jalen dunk. The, non-fa- the non-Jalen favorite dunk for me was when Obi Toppin bounced the ball off the backboard and then – you know, flushed it down. I mm-hmm. thought that was impressive. I'd never seen that before. Mm. Um, there was I'd never of, seen it, but I thought it was weak. I, I thought it was, I thought <laughs> it was cool, Aesthetically, you know? it didn't look so great. It but looked, I understand it looked the, better the on replay of yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. It was very akin to, the, obviously, like the Gerald Green dunk with the cupcake, right? Where it's yep. like live it's in motion, that dunk never didn't quite get hit, but love. then you see the yeah. replay, and you're like, yeah. yo, Jalen's mouth is up there at the, or sorry, not Jalen, Gerald's mouth is up there at the rim, and you see him blow the candle out in <laughs> slow-mo that was but the, but the obi Toppin dunk the you know bouncing off it didn't quite hit the same way mm-hmm. even though it looked better in replay it was still kind of like all right cool like you did it but yeah that didn't feel like a championship yeah. winning dunk or a title winning dunk no sure. it wasn't exactly. it definitely was a title winning dunk but I, I still felt like you know points for creativity you know, there was a lot of twitter dialogue last night about should you try something that no one has ever done before versus like just trying something that is going to get you the win. And I did appreciate him trying something that we haven't really seen before. And, you know, the Jalen off the side of the backboard between the legs, I don't recall that ever being done in dunk yeah. contest competition no, either. So he, he no. went with the same approach, right? No yeah, one's ever go. done this before. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give it a shot. And obviously he didn't – or he wasn't able to convert on it. Yeah. But I, I really appreciate that because, you know, for people that are in our age bracket, that 2016 dunk contest oh. was – was yeah, incredible, that was next level, dude. probably Don't never going to be topped. Yeah. And you saw so many dunks on there that were like, no one has ever even mm-hmm. fathomed doing this dunk before yeah. in competition. You know, there were someone, I, I think uh, the guy's name was Jordan Kilgannon. He was like a professional dunker um, that he pioneered a few of those dunks that happened in that 2016 contest. But you know, that was what made that dunk contest so great. What also made it great was those guys getting a lot of the dunks on the first attempt. Mm-hmm. That was really one of the the downsides of this dunk contest. A lot yeah. of guys had to take multiple attempts, and you know that's going to lessen some of the hype, some of the intensity for when they do make that dunk eventually. Because you've already been given a preview, right? You, by that second or third attempt, you knew Jalen was going to try to go through legs off the backboard. You knew Obi Toppin was going to try to bounce it off of the backboard and then flush it. But you know, overall, it, it's. Painful to say, but this is definitely one of the more forgettable dunk contests. I said this last night on the stream we did, but I am glad in one aspect of – I'm glad Jalen Green didn't just completely destroy the dunk contest in those remix jerseys. Those are not one of my personal favorite jerseys. Oh, yeah, right. um, like for the color scheme, I thought they did a good job. Yeah, I, yeah, I wasn't a big fan of that color scheme even back in, in when they rolled them out. Uh, in the 90s. In the 90s. Yeah. But – you know, maybe Jalen Green will come back next year. We'll have some sick jerseys. He'll he'll be able to get the win like that, and it'll be memorable forever. But overall, for me, I'm not getting too hung up on this dunk contest. I, I think the Knicks have been down bad so long. They needed something. They got Obi Toppin to get a win there. And, Give him a dub. And there you that's go. Good Give for them. The and Knicks fans can be happy. Their their team's kind of reeling right now, but uh, they can they can ball game, thrive yeah, off yeah. the the Obi Toppin. No, dunk there you contest go. I mean, we'll concede 2022 to them because yeah. 2023 will be the ro- the year of the Rockets. Absolutely. You know, 
us with a top three pick, cross our fingers, knock on wood, you know, like that, All right? Like that, that'll be the year of awesome. the, the, the Houston Rockets. <laughs> so, I mean, let, let, let's just say that. Fav- right? Oh, by the way, favorite dunk, favorite dunk. Cole That's Anthony. Cole. I really like the Tims. Oh, my man. I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna hate on him. And also, <laughs> I like Greg Anthony. Let's be real here. <laughs> really? I like yeah, Greg yeah, Anthony. Yeah, I like Greg Anthony. old head of the table, I did. <laughs> I was, I, like, okay, I mean, growing up, I was, I did not like Doc Rivers. Everybody knows I think he's the most overrated coach. So, I don't like, yeah, I didn't even like Doc Rivers as yeah, the backup that, in New York. Been, I like Greg Anthony. Greg Anthony, lefty, lefty boy. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're I'm lefty not a, as well. No, I am not. No, okay. not. But I do think that lefties have the cleanest shot ever. Ken Griffey like, has the cleanest swing. You love, yeah, you love I'm, I'm all about my lefties. I mean, okay. like off the record, when I was when I played baseball, I wanted to bat lefty. You can't Never say happened. off the record and then start talking like into the mic. Like that's where the receipts are, bro. Come on, touche. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. We're we're gonna give it all. We're gonna give it to the people. All right. We're just gonna have Justin. Um, was it unleashed? Right. But anyways, yeah, go we'll go Cole Anthony because I really like the attempt. I mean, considering, dude, wearing Tim's, your feet are gonna hurt, bro. Those look fresh. After his first landing, yeah, he did like missing not the dunk. Look I good. was like, I, I, I sympathy paint. I was like, ooh, his like knees that, must that have felt not something. Have felt great. Yeah, exactly. I have to like, think that he practiced it though, right? I mean, he's got maybe, to but I mean, you know, gosh, shout so. out to <laughs> shout out to Cole, man. I, yeah. I admire him for going for that. That was cool. It wasn't the cleanest dunk, but I think the props overall, everything, the grand scheme of it. I think that he had the best dunk, just my opinion. All right, everyone. We are going to go ahead and cap off part one of this incredible episode. So nice that we had to break it down twice. We had to let everyone know here that there was so much content that was flowing throughout this entire episode that we had to make sure that we split it uh, properly into two parts because if not it would have hit well over two hours so we're going to go ahead and end part one right here stay tuned for part two which will be coming out in the next few days that's right part two with locked on rockets jackson gatlin apollo launchpad podcasts own don knock the gm and myself the commissioner stay tuned with a brand new episode that's going to come out in a few days once again from the summit state of mind straight to y'all we'll see y'all real soon take care you probably know progressive insurance for insuring your home and auto you may know flow and dr rick but what you may not know is that progressive helps employees support over 3,800 charitable organizations annually because we're committed to helping our employees and our employees are committed to helping others anyway we just wanted to share we were a little too proud of it to keep it to ourselves And if you already knew all of this about us, you've either heard this radio spot before or just randomly know a lot about Progressive. Find out more about how we're dedicated to our customers and communities at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates based on data from May 2020 through April 2021. The Summit.